Welcome to Agency for Agents, a podcast for real estate team leaders and independent brokerage owners looking to maximize profits, effectiveness, and gain freedom for their team and business. Your hosts, Christine Andreasen and Aaron Hendon, have been running one of the most successful real estate teams in the Seattle area for more than eight years. They know building a winning team means finding ways to empower, nurture, train, and develop individual agents to discover their own power, their own agency. On the podcast, Christine and Aaron interview thought leaders in real estate and personal growth to help you impact both your performance and your teams. We know it takes a lot, and leaders and brokers that crack that code reap the rewards of success greater than any they could ever achieve on their own. All right. Well, Kian, we know that you are a top performance coach and a leadership consultant, and you've got quite the story. We're super, super excited to be with you today and hear everything about you and what you're up to. And we thought instead of reading some paragraph or some bio, we'd just start the dance right now. So why don't you take a minute and tell us? I, I you know, Aaron and I have both done our, our due diligence. We know your story. We're inspired by what you're up to, and we can't wait to really hear it from you. What is it that you're up to and how'd you get where you are? Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm currently living in Brazil, living my dream life in every single way, or I would say my, my heaven on earth. Mm. I know it's not to say there's there's still uh, uh, I have, there's still some things that I would like to do with my life, but I would say I've created quite the life for myself that I feel very, 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 very good about. It's been a long, 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 uh, but also relatively short journey, I guess you could say. <laughs> I've lived many lives in a short period of time. One of my lives was a professional football player at 235 pounds, 8% body fat, NFL linebacker. My oh, next one wow. was, yeah, but my, my next life was uh, more of a You're not looking longer. like 235 right now. No, I'm at like 200 right now. I'm just, just over. I got down to 185 at one point. This is what I'm at the, the next one, my next season of life, which was my more of a hippie phase where I didn't really do a whole lot of anything that I did in that, that last uh, life where I worked with people that had autoimmune conditions and digestive mm-hmm. disorders while having long, my hair was about down to here at that time too. So I fully embodied the hippiness. Nice. Uh, which was, yeah. Wait, did you, bring, did you bring photos? Do we get photos of the hippiness? <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I could drop them over to you guys. You guys even like pop it up on there when you share it. I'll have to show you the hip, my hippie phase. Cause that, yeah, Aaron, my, Aaron had an Afro though. I, I had a big old Jufro. <laughs> Not that you would know that now. No, not I used uh, up all my hair. <laughs> I always tell people I used up all my hair time. That was I. Yeah. All right. So then you went to hippie phase, and then what was next? Yep, I moved from from South Dakota to Miami. My hippie phase there did a lot of crazy wild shit. I was a stripper for a couple months. That was awesome and fun. Uh, yeah, that was a really interesting. Too. <laughs> hey, no, no photos are taken actually and, and there was one if you can find it on the internet you can find, I'll, I'll let you use it but good luck finding challenge accepted i might regret saying that later on but uh yeah so so miami was a crazy time for me did a lot of really fun stuff i was doing personal training but i also end up kind of uh, establishing myself as the go-to mm. person for everything internal health related so went all in on that Went online and became a full-time entrepreneur with my digestive and uh, um, inflammation-based protocol for people with autoimmune conditions and uh, did very well with that and was able to be location independent at that time and moved to Colombia where I spent a year there 
And uh, after that, moved back to the States. And uh, well, I should say while I was in Colombia, I began my transition into the, the phase that I would say I'm in now, which is just more normal, <laughs> kind of like in, in a sense, uh, but also going all in on working with high achievers on being able to make a lot more money and uh, work a lot less. Awesome. So that's what I'm doing now. And, and I'm currently living in Brazil and uh, loving life doing it. Awesome. Ken, that's just great that, you know, there's never an, a set path, you know, there's no one way you wound up, you know, very cool. Yeah, no, it's, I don't know, man, like I've learned to fall in love with a lot of the ambiguity of life yeah. and to follow what feels good to me and trust that whatever I have set as a very strong intention for my life, the how and the process of getting there is just me surrendering and mm. kind of going with, with what is, and it's, it's provided me a lot of really, really fun experiences. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the things that we were in reading about you and, and getting to know you that, you know, most people define success really clearly, you know, either money or this achievement and certainly is, you know, NFL is pretty clear, Super Bowl, not Super Bowl, it's black and white. But in your work, you're, you're talking that it just goes beyond that. Talk a little bit about that. How do you measure success? How do your clients measure success? What's important? Success is what I would say is your the ratio between the amount of work you're doing and the amazingness that you have in your life, right? There's a lot of people that have a lot of amazingness that are working their faces off, working their faces to death to have it. They're efforting through trying to maintain relationships. They're efforting through trying to, to build and maintain a good business. They're efforting into having cool life experiences. And uh, to me, that's, that's not success. I would say success is being able to you know, have as optimal of a ratio as possible uh, with the amount of work and effort put in compared to the amount of epicness. So having an epic life with the minimal amount of effort, to me, sounds ideal, but maybe yeah. some people don't think so. I yeah. love it though. That's one of the things, you know, Aaron and I run a real estate team. As you probably know, we run one of the top real estate teams and uh, real estate is a business that will eat your life. If you let it, it will take over your whole entire world. And when we started, when we got invited to do this podcast, one of the things we said is we do not want to teach people how to do 10 more deals. That is not our game. Our game is to teach people how to live an abundant lifestyle. So that's how we ended up with you here, right? Because it really is. I mean, if you work yourself to the bone, who cares how much money you have if you're miserable, right? So I love that. What is your, um, what's the foundation upon which you coach? What's your premise? I mean, I got that you said you want to have an epic lifestyle and an epic life with least amount of work, but is it is there a foundation that you build that on or what are your key components of coaching people? Yeah, it, it all comes down to vibration. It all comes down to vibration and, and magnetism marketing uh, is what, what I like to call it. And so I, I focus on the core of, the, of frequency that people are operating on. And uh, through being able to work at the, on the core, uh, it allows for life to become much more uh, easily aligned. And so I work with vibration. I work with energy. And so through that process of doing that, life stops being something that we're chasing and running after and starts just come to us. Mm-hmm. So when we get into alignment with ourselves through through shifting and changing our vibration, mm. uh, it leads to a lot more effortless success. Very cool. That's great. I mean, I do, um, my wife is, does um, emotional freedom technique work, tapping work. She's an Ayurvedic practitioner and does, but that's very much in dealing with the vibrate, you know, the the way your body channels that kind of energy. And then we both, and I know Christine, we're both big fans of um, Esther Hicks, Esther Hicks. Hicks. And um, 
Joe Dispenza, I do Joe Dispenza meditations is very much about raising your vibration and uh, shifting that. Are you familiar with his work, Joe Dispenza? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and really the, the core of all of it, when it comes down to, I talk about vibration, it's really self-belief. Yeah. yeah. Self-belief is everything. At the end of the day, it is absolutely everything. So that's really what the, what the core of it is. Because if you can believe that you're worthy of having everything you want without having to, to effort to get it, then, you know, if you, if you can think it, then you can right touch it. Think who says that yeah. Bob Proctor, right? So the difference is with what I do compared to maybe what, what Bob Proctor teaches is, is I believe there's elements of what is taught with Bob Proctor that's, that's missing. They're missing the clearing of the lower frequency energy. And it's mm. more of a, a, a block out. It's more, to me, it's more of a block out and trying to, to pretend like it's not there. And I think what ends up happening is, is that it becomes much more difficult to continue to operate at a certain vibration when you're fighting parts of, of yourself. So I think there's an element of, of clearing that's really important to be had in the process of, of stepping into the um, belief system equaling your external reality. So I think it's the combination of both. And I think that's, that's what, what I bring to the table is the combination of the both. Very cool. So not just pretending the other stuff's not there, but actually dealing with it, releasing it. And that's how you work with people. When you're working with people, you work with them to release that or to disappear that. How would you say it in your words? Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> disappears is an incredible word, right? When it disappears, then you can you can put something else in there. You can you can rewrite the code. That's awesome. That's really yeah. great. Like when you get yourself to the space of no thing, then you could create anything, right? Yeah. There it is. Awesome. There it is. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I love it. And what's one tip you would give somebody like on a day-to-day basis, you know, without giving away your whole business, but what's one thing, like if somebody wants to really, you know, they, they have the experience of not being able to manifest what they want in life. Where would you tell like the basic newbie, how do I start raising my vibration? What's the one thing you'd start with one tip for the day? Mm, I don't know. I don't really work with those people. You don't? <laughs> I work, people I work that are already. Right. This is what I say. I don't work with the people that have a hard time getting off the couch. I have a hard time with people that, excuse me, I work with people that have a hard time sitting down. So yeah, I, I don't relate. I can't relate to people that, that are having a difficult time being, uh, getting off the couch of their life. I can't, I've never been that. And so I don't really speak for them mm-hmm. to be honest with you. So, no, uh, but you know, a lot of the high D and the high driven type A people are the hardest ones to slow down and get presents. Yeah. Sometimes, right? No, not for me. No? <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, no. But that's where it's like, it's a beautiful combination of, of intellect paired with true compassion mm. that really gets the attention of a type A. And then that's what, what makes me so different at such a young age, I may add, is my, my intellect paired with my compassion. And that'll get somebody that, that is a very driven, make things happen, always moving forward type of person to stop the tracks for a few minutes, along with a lot of social proof too. That helps. <laughs> Say that again. I missed that. I said, I said, along with a lot of social proof as well, that helps too. Yeah. 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 Right. What does you working with someone look like when you take someone on, what are their usual goals and what are you usually out to accomplish with them? Well, normally people are pretty intrigued by the concept of making more and creating a bigger impact mm-hmm. and uh, effortless attraction. With, like I said, with with less effort, that's the thing that most people are attracted to. Uh, you know, you look at for for me, it's all about efficiency, and I think most people that are actually, I shouldn't say most. There's a lot of very high functioning people that are very efficient, mm-hmm. and they want to know a better way. 
And this is just the next step, right? After everybody learns how to be disciplined, after people learn how to implement structure and implement routine and learn how to be consistent uh, and to learn to say no to things that aren't in alignment with, with what they want, this is just the next level. And they're interested in the next level of what life can be like. Mm-hmm. So they come to me. Very cool. And you talk to people like on a, you say, okay, we're coaching together for a year. We're going to work together weekly. What's your structure look like usually? It's always a three month base. Always. I don't like to guarantee anything past that because the way people progress is always different. And I might not want to stay with somebody longer than three months, or they also might, might be ready to move on too, which right. I'm also open with and okay with. But most of the time, three months gets people to a place where they're able to actually be uh, what I say, emotionally sovereign enough to make a good judgment decision. And that's where I trust my clients at the three-month mark where they'll be able to tell me what we're doing moving forward. So I always say three months gets them to a place where they're able to actually understand what's best for themselves, independent of operating out of trying to cater to their insecurity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, then normally they, they tell me, they say, hey, let's, let's keep going. Or, uh, hey, we're going to take a season off or we just don't do anything at all ever again. So uh, I like to start with that three months and uh, go from there. Cool. And when you're working with someone, you know, high D, high performer, they've gotten the basics, the fundamentals down to have a level of success that would have them looking out to see, okay, well, you know, what I already know to do isn't getting me to an epic life like you're talking about. It's getting me to Brazil. Exactly. (laughs) Right. And they're so, but they're looking out and they see you and you're like, you know, what is it that they're usually dealing with? What is it that usually you're able to get out of their way or you're able to empower them to disappear for themselves? What's the, you know, like, what's the, I'm just thinking about this in terms of people listening, right? So we got yeah. high powered team leaders listening to this and people that are looking to empower their teams in what their individual players are up to. And they know their success is no bigger than the individual player's success. Where can they look? to help their team where, you know, what would you say about Mm. empowering them to help their team like that? What's Mm. usually in the way? Mm. I think one of the biggest misconceptions, and I see this a lot with people that work with businesses as, as, as a, as a whole and with teams is that they try to get a leader of the team to make it about the team, try them to be more empathetic to the team Mm -hmm. and try to listen more to the team. And that's wrong. Honestly, it, it's flat out wrong. And there's a reason why the leader is in that position in the first place. And, and actually, I would say, I would argue that, that most of the time, people that are in these leadership positions, they've never actually ever truly made it about them, making them incapable of making it about other people. And so hmm. for me, my methodology is learning or excuse me, teaching those leaders how to be able to truly make it about them through allowing them to get in touch with their own deeper emotional state, releasing whatever emotion is in the way of them being able to actually have a healthy relationship with them, then thus allowing allowing them to be more present because there's not this this protection mechanism uh, that's in place that's preventing them from being present, allowing them to actually cater to the needs of other people, right? So it's not that they're not catering to other people in the process, it's just that the methodology to cater to their team is much different than I believe. I believe that when, when you truly learn to make it about yourself and work through your own deeper rooted things, you're then able to truly then be present with other people and to hear what they really need. But if you're always using things and people to cover up your insecurity, you're then deemed in, incapable of being able to truly know 
uh, what other people need. And then frankly, honestly, there's a reason why those leaders are in those positions anyway. They shouldn't be over consulting their team. I don't think they should. They should be listening uh, when there's maybe potential concerns, but the, the leader's a leader for the reason. And the best thing that a leader can do is learn to work through their own deeper emotional stuff so they can be the one that people turn to and look to for direction. Because what I have seen is when leaders sometimes give too much direction capacity to the team, things get messed up and they can get a little swayed from, from the mission. So I just work with the head, Honcho. And the cool part is when I do that, everything just seems to fall into place uh, mm-hmm. without there being extra effort on their end. It just happens as a byproduct of getting more aligned with the self. Mm. We become naturally more empathetic. That's just how that's just how it works, right? It's not, but it's not through trying to consciously practice empathy. That's not it at all. It actually can can actually be a uh, you're 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 putting a bandaid on a bullet wound. Really, when, when that happens, you might get some temporary success with learning how to be empathetic as a leader through just the practice of what it is to be empathetic. But until you actually go in and learn true empathy, which is for the self, which is allowing yourself to feel as mm-hmm. you really are and getting in touch with yourself, you won't ever truly be able to actually embody it. You're actually just doing practices that you think are it, which aren't actually it, <laughs> which the results will demonstrate that. I love it. Like putting pink icing on a mud pie and it's still mud if you're just out there faking it. And like you're saying, putting a Band-Aid. I like it. Would you say Band-Aid on a bullet wound? Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I get it. So you just work with the one person to take care of themselves, get in tune with themselves, get their vibration raised and everybody comes up with them. Yeah. That's the way it goes. Or they fall off by the wayside, right? That's it. That's how energy works, right? Either either it rises or it leaves. That's how it works. And so uh, most of the time it ends up being a very good situation just because they, as their, the leader's vibration increases, he's, he or she is able to, to cater more efficiently to the needs of the people on the team. And uh, they then feel heard, not through, like I said, not through trying to just over-distribute and give too much direction responsibility. It's interesting, Cam, because I I mean, I can just relate. I'm just looking back at my life, the times that I've, I had a 40-employee bakery for 10 years in the 90s. And um, I'm just looking like the number of times where I went to go to work on empowering the team as a... I wouldn't have said it this way at the time. I don't think I would have said it this way yesterday, but just in listening to you, Mike, I can see that as a way of avoiding dealing with my own stuff. I was out, oh, I'll just empower them versus really deal with whatever I needed to deal with about that. And I think that's a really, well, now that you've said it, a clear pitfall for team leaders is using empowering the team as a, as a smokescreen for dealing with, uh, to avoid dealing with yourself. Ding, 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 ding. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. I just totally got that out of what you said. I didn't see that at all until you said it. So that's really killer. If you were going to give someone an action to take a day, you know, that here's do this one thing a day, you know, to help get in touch with your own energy or clear out your, you know, the lower energy or however you'd say it. What's an action people could take? I mean, is it meditation? Is it exercise? Is there something in particular you could see like an action? Your morning miracle. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this is the thing. It's like, because there's so many books, because there's so much information, it's almost like entrepreneurs and leaders are castrating themselves because they're told by everybody else that there's these certain specific things that they need to do to be able to be as efficient as possible. But in reality, they're missing the point. Everybody's missing the point. The point is that most very, very, very successful people didn't read a manual and copied what everybody else said that they should do. Right. They said, 
fuck everybody. This is what I'm doing. Right. And that's really what, what I do is I, I get leaders to tap back into their deeper sense of, of knowing. And I actually say like, stop, like stop your routine entirely. Like stop your morning routine. Why are you doing those things? Why are you doing this? And are you actually beginning to, to establish resentment towards your meditation in the morning? And a lot of times people say yes, because they're doing it because <laughs> they're supposed to check it out the list. I'm like, okay, well, what the fuck's the point? Why are you doing it? Right. To check it out the list because other people told them they should do it. Right. And so what is the foundation and core of confidence? It's being able to listen to the self, what the self wants to do and be able to take action accordingly, right? And as we do that consistently, as our actions reflect what we really want to do, mm -hmm. our confidence begins to build. And right, what we say, what I say at the beginning, right? Self-belief is everything, right? And so when we let go of the things that everybody else told us that we have to do, and keep in mind, I'm not speaking to people that, that have never built a routine before. I would not tell somebody that can't get off the couch to, to abandon right. all of this. <laughs> right. And to listen to yourself because they don't, they don't know how. Okay. That's why I don't talk to those people. I can't relate. So I'm speaking to the people that have built these routines and, and have had a lot of success and have put a lot of discipline in. So your only responsibility now is to let go of the things that you feel like you have to do and tap into the things that feel most aligned. Right. And, and I have clients that used to wake up at 5 a.m. Now they wake up at nine and they have four hours less of, of work time, but the efficiency and the, the quality of the work they have is, is incredible. Yeah. It's much more approved. All right. So being able to tap into that inner sense of knowing, create your routine, drop everything and ask yourself, if I don't have to do anything, what is it that puts me into this place of, of feeling good? And that puts me in this place of really being able to operate at a high level. I can tell you one thing for me that really does, right? Yeah. You guys know what an SIE bowl is? You guys know what that is? No. no what? Right. Acai. It's very popular. Oh, yeah. Acai, the berry. Yeah. 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 Right. The berry in Brazil, it's, it's native to here, right? It's perfect. That's, that's part of the reason why I came here is for the SIE. I'm addicted. So I, when I have one every morning, that's something that puts me into an incredible state. Like after I have that, after my workout, I'm just like, that's fucking awesome. cloud, cloud nine. I'm like, oh my gosh, let's go. First call. Hmm. So it's finding, finding your, 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 uh, I guess it's kind of cliche, but, but find your bliss in your routine, mm -hmm. find the, the, you know, the three things that really put you into a higher state. So you don't have to fucking Tony Robbins, the, to try to get yourself hyped because that doesn't work. It's just, it's quick bursts of you just blow your load and it's gone. Right. And then, then you got to tr keep trying to, to do it more and more and more and more and more to get yourself in a hype state. Why not just do things that feel good to you? So you naturally embody the hype. <laughs> awesome. I'd rather do that. Yeah, I totally dig it. That's great. And it's so nice how passionate you are about it. And it's nice that, you know, you give people the, not just the permission, but the directive called, all right, because you read it or because someone said it worked, you can trust yourself to figure out what works for you. And I love that you're only talking to people that have a level of success for that. I mean, Chris, that would make that make sense. You know, Christine and I were just talking about what do you do with the agents that are 30, 60, 90 days into their career? And those mostly they're looking for opportunities to avoid making phone calls, frankly. I mean, anything to get them off the hook from doing the uncomfortable stuff. But there's no level of success for them to build use. on. You're, this yeah. is the, you know, you got to, there's a level of success that's necessary so that you can have parsed out what's going to work and what's not going to work. Yeah, absolutely. And in that situation, like in that situation that you're speaking of, right, what I would say, maybe if I can give an example for a leader yeah. in that position with people that, you know, haven't really had a lot of success and they're coming in and, and mm -hmm. these people that have only been, been around for maybe 30, 60, 90 days, yeah. the most efficient thing that, that a leader can do in that position will obviously is be able to work on, on their own vibration by working through some of their mm -hmm. deeper stuff and, and stepping into doing the things that feel most aligned to them. And then as a byproduct, what happens is the trust and faith in themselves begins to rise as a leader, 
right? And so when the trust and faith in the leader in themselves begins to rise, what do they feel more comfortable doing? Delegating, right? I'm safe inside of me and I'm comfortable inside of me. So, so now I know and trust that I can delegate tasks and I can mm-hmm. delegate even faith and trust in other people. And so when, what leaders do when they start to get step into this place of, of more trust in themselves, they begin to trust the people that are working for them more. Right? So they start to delegate more responsibility to some of these people, which is actually what they need. These people that have such a difficult, maybe I'm talking with them now. What they need is, is, is a certain small level of responsibility that gets them a little boost because they're able to actually do the task that was set in front of them and then get more and more confident through that. That's how leaders get, get people that are in these lower places more confident, right? Small little responsibilities that they know they can do and they can grow from that. And that, a lot of times, frankly, that's why a lot of people that aren't able to be motivated, that aren't able to, to step into you know, a certain level of routine is because of the complete lack of self-confidence because maybe they've never been able to do anything because they've been told that at a younger age that you know, they're not capable of it or so have it, right? So as a leader begins to trust itself more, they can then feel comfortable to be able to delegate more tasks and, and small responsibility comfortably to the people underneath them that, that maybe are struggling and then allowing those people to begin to feel more confident because they're winning and doing these small little things. It's really not that complex. But here's the cool part. You naturally begin to embody this shit. I don't have to talk about it, right? I'm not a relationship coach. I'm not a specific like a uh, technique business coach. Now there's some things that I know that I'm able to help people with, but, but people begin to embody this energy and start to do the things I'm talking about without even knowing it. That's the incredible part. That's what happens when we get into alignment with the self. We begin to embody this. And it's like, people come back to me like, Hey, I was doing this. I, I noticed myself doing this. We never talked about this. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> That's how it goes when you're aligned, right? It's As awesome. that was you work with the genie. I, <laughs> I love it. I love what you're saying about the little wins for the new agents. I mean, these are real estate agents and they have to talk to people they don't know. And it just freaks them out. But little wins, little wands, they'll, they'll reprogram the neuronal programming from whenever they were a kid and start to actually know themselves mm. as someone who could win, right? Ooh, that, that's it. That's it. And everybody want everybody wants to receive from the king, right? And the king or the queen is the leader of that group. Thanks and when the, the king or queen, thanks for the queen shout out, my friend. Absolutely, I work with a lot of queens. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I love working with females. Sometimes, sometimes more than males. But it's incredible to see, and I think a lot of leaders maybe don't even realize their capacity of of how much other people look up to them. Uh, but for a leader to give a certain level of responsibility, a small amount of responsibility or, uh, or faith and trust in, in somebody that's working for them, yeah, yeah. that's a big deal, right? And if the leader is embodying this king or queen energy, mm-hmm. yeah. oh my gosh, that's going to feel so good to, to somebody that's working for them just to be able to receive in some way by doing a task for them, right? But if you're not embodying that energy, it's difficult for those people to, to feel that for you. So. Mm-hmm. And when you are, it just pulls them in, right? You just get more and more of them coming and coming and coming and coming. They're coming. Magnetism. It doesn't have to be that hard. It really is. Yeah. That's Uh, awesome. That's great. And it can, I guess, just to wrap up and just to leave people with something that's, you know, actionable. You've obviously been coached for a long time in your life, right? And you've been a coach for people. Is there any piece of coaching or anything that you that stands out in your mind is, yeah, that piece of coaching was really valuable for me in my life. And that really, you know, was one of the things, I know it's obviously not applicable to everyone because you were in a unique place, but was there some bit of coaching that you got that really made a difference for you that you think, yeah, this is sort of a ground foundational bit of coaching. Great. A game changer for you. Game changer. Yeah. Uh, and I think it follows suit with everything that I've talked about. The common theme here 
mm-hmm. is the permission that somebody else has given me mm-hmm. to step into what it is that I really want. That's number one is the permission to step into what I really want and to be able to step into trusting that. And then two is, and I talked about this as well, is people that have given me more responsibility potentially than they may have felt comfortable Mm -hmm. with. And that to me demonstrates a certain level of trust in me and I believe in myself. So I think those two things are are me and somebody else giving me permission to step into what I, how I want to handle things, how I want to do things and trust in myself in that way. And then some people that have trusted me with responsibility and then me rising to the occasion. Isn't that it's great. Well, you know, it's really great to talk with you. I love meeting you. And I, you know, just so passionate about what you're up to. And I really did get that opening about avoiding dealing with myself by dealing with other people. So I think it's brilliant. I think it's going to make a real difference to, you know, the people, our listeners, the people that really count on, you know, this information to live an abundant life. So you really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for being with us today. It's the Abundant Life Podcast. Kian, have a great, great day. And we'll hopefully run into you soon, right? We'll cross paths again. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Abundant Life Podcast, brought to you by Christine and Company and EXP Realty, the global online brokerage powered by top agents and cutting edge technology. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. Your hosts have been award-winning brokers, Christine Andreessen and Aaron Hendon. For more on them, visit christineandcompany.com.